Here's what's coming up on this week's show. Amazon will print that book, and on the last page it says printed by Amazon. Oh. And do you think a bookstore will want to see that? Well, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> the Beat. Welcome to The Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to The Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Now, if you haven't bumped into us before, uh, we're the podcast that brings you a whole buffet of business experts. Oh, I love a buffet. I really <laughs> do love a buffet. <laughs> anyway, a buffet of business experts from around the world, all designed to help small businesses think big. And make sure before the end of the episode, you click follow or subscribe, whatever your platform needs, so you don't miss out on future episodes. Now, this week, we're going for part two of a two-part episode, funnily enough. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to part one already, you might want to go back and do that mm-hmm. before you come back here to part two, because we're talking about writing business books and in particular, how to publish one this week. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got to the point where you've written your book. Then what do you do? Where on earth do you start to get it published? So uh, we're really looking forward to hearing from Mindy Gibbons-Klein, who is returning for the second instalment about how to write a business book. This is the Big Little Business Show. You've got your words. It's all written down. You've gone through the editing process, however you've decided to do that. What happens next? Well... Most people, Paul, really want to see a book published. If they write a book, they want to publish it. I say most, not all, because some people just want to have the pride of having written it and leave that legacy, or some people handwrite books, believe it or not. But I think publishing is a goal for most people. And there's many different ways to publish, as we said last week. Um, So I won't go into all of them, but... Hmm. There are so many different publishers out there that I will repeat what I said last week. Your book will be published. One way or another, it will be published. Now, I know this could almost be an episode on its own, but so we won't go into massive amount, amount of detail, but there's obviously the two fundamental choices are either maybe you get a publisher to publish it for you or you publish it yourself. Now, what are the big differences between those two options? Well, that... You've just stated it. Self-publishing is where you publish it yourself. You do everything yourself. Um, The clue is in the word. You find all the resources yourself, um, editor, proofreader, designer, uh, ebook formatting, printing, marketing, uh, listing. You, You have to do everything yourself and manage the project yourself. And a publisher worth their salt will do everything for you. So there are some nuances and there's a bit of a a spectrum and some publishers do more than others, but the basic things that you want a good publisher to do is a good copy edit, uh, a good layout, um, laying out the whole book, cover design, um, ISBN and all the legal and regulatory things and all the boring things. Um, You want them to list it properly for global distribution You want to be able to have it printed and shipped and stored and uh, sold and distributed everywhere and ideally launched and they should know what they're doing. So there's no risk with any of those steps because I think what happens when you self-publish is, you know, do you know if that design is any good or do you know that that edit has been done to the highest possible standard? Do you know that that book is going to look its part and and have a chance to get on 
a shelf at a real store. You don't know if you've not done it before. And I, and I know a lot of people want to save money. We'll talk about the money, I'm sure, during this episode. But don't cut corners because it will backfire. That's some good advice there. I mean, let's. Well, I want to come back to the self-publishing thing because it seems to be quite a popular route. Um, not, but might not necessarily be the best route. So, before we come back to that, let's look at the options. Whether you, if you want to find a publisher to publish this for you, I mean, what what's the best approach? You've, if you've got the, your, your manuscripts and you've got it written down, or you've got it on a PDF, or however you've got it, if you're trying to get it published commercially, what would be the next step? So can I just clarify something? Because so many people contact me and they say, I want my book to be published. I want a publisher mm. and I don't want to self-publish. And what they mean is they don't want to pay any money. And I, I must state right up front that self-publishing is not about who pays for things. That's not what it means. It means, like I said a few minutes ago, it's who does what. Everybody pays. And I, I believe very strongly that if you don't invest or co-invest in your book up front, you will pay down the line, either in terms of a long contract that you can't get out of, or um, I'm, my bias is going to show now, but I have to get this out first, and then I can talk about this. Go, go on, you go for it, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody pays. So you guys can quote Mindy at Book Midwife on Twitter and Instagram, because I've seen this firsthand. You pay in terms of being locked into a long contract, even if the book isn't selling. You pay in terms of uh, a lower royalty than you would get if you co-invested. You pay in terms of a small discount when you need books for a keynote speech or a training or a client. You'll pay over the odds for those because the publisher needs to recoup their investment. Mm. So it, it really is a business case. If the publisher invests all the money, they want a return on that investment. So they're going to get it in terms of sales, you know, through the stores, but they're also going to get something from the author. Um, and another thing that people are doing uh, that some publishers do is they say, oh, no, you, we, we don't charge you to publish. You just need to purchase a thousand copies of your book each year mm. at eight or nine pounds each, <laughs> which is what they don't tell you. And apologies if, you know, you've already covered this or if you know about this, but I think a lot of listeners don't know. So the decision is not, you know, I, I don't want to self-publish because I don't want to pay. You can actually find some great publishers where you co-invest and they do a fantastic professional top-notch job. I run one of them. <laughs> nice. That was really nicely done at the end there, Mindy. That was really <laughs> impressive. But yes, you're, you're totally right about the whole publishing game and how uh, you will always end up paying. I mean, you hear of it so many times with uh, musicians and artists who, who end up getting into a publishing deal uh, with a record label. And then years later, they don't own the rights to their music and they're bankrupt. So, it, I mean, that's a really extreme case, I know. But it happens all the time and you hear of it all the time. So if it happens in the music um, music world, why wouldn't it happen in to some degree in the writing world too? Yeah, but it is a business case. As I say, if, if any of our listeners own a business, then just think about it. If you're going to shell out some money for something, you want to know that you're going to get the return, you're going to break even, and they get into profit. So the publishers, no different. If they take a risk, and, and I... I um, personally make three to five offers a year of a traditional nature. 
So my publishing company has three to five traditional deals available every year, which is not a lot, but we're small. Mm. And when I make those offers, well, I want to know that I'm not taking that risk if for no reason, I, you know, we want to know that we're all going to make money. So would it be fair to say that if you publish the book yourself, while you might not have the backing of a publisher um, and all the things that come with that, you do have a little bit more control? Oh, a lot more control, complete control. In fact, someone I know, we were going to publish her book and she kept saying, what about this? What about that? And I said, listen, we're, you know, we're the publisher, so we will do it all. And, we, and she said... I'm a self-confessed control freak. <laughs> so that, you know, if you are, if you're listening and you're a control freak, please self-publish. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't do that to a publisher. <laughs> so let's, so let's talk about contracts then before we move on to uh, self-publishing, which is obviously a different thing altogether. Yeah. Um, so obviously if you're going to get a publisher involved, uh, they're obviously going to want you to sign a contract. So uh, they have an element of control over the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, do they, do they vary drastically from publisher to publisher? Are there some general things that are worth looking out for and understanding? Well, yeah, general things that people want to look out for. Um, the term, you want to know what the initial term is and what happens after that. So our initial term is three years, which is very short. Uh, and people, they, they read the contract, but they don't always understand that it carries on after that. And, that, and that's the case for a lot of contracts, but you know, ha- have a look and make sure that your initial period is not 10 years, for example, hmm. or, you know, ad infinitum <laughs> for the, you know, forever. The rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> into perpetuity or whatever they call it. So um, then what you want to understand is who's doing what. Um, so for example, we have award-winning designers and they've designed many award-winning covers for our books. What we don't want is for an author to spend money with their own designer or their niece who just graduated from art school or whatever, and then say, this is my front cover because it probably won't fly. (laughs) When, When I go to the bookstore and have a meeting and look that person in the eye, it needs to look the part. So don't waste money on things. Understand who's doing what. And actually, it's big relief, isn't it? Because you publish traditionally. You you just said, right, do your thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they did a great job, but best, much, much better than I could have ever imagined. Um, and I don't, if I'd have published it myself, it wouldn't have looked anywhere near as good as yeah. that. And, and that's why we use professionals in so many different areas of life and business. So it's no different. You know, we, we really aim to do the best possible job to give the book its best possible chance in the market. Sure. Okay, right. Let's move on to self-publishing hmm. um, because I know it's quite popular, uh, especially with um, the fact that you can do it, i say quite easily, but I've never done it, but I'm assuming it's going to be made a little bit easier when you do it on Amazon because uh, they do a lot of that sort of stuff too. Uh, and I guess there maybe are other places where you can self-publish. Um, so just walk us through it sort of as a beginner's guide to self-publishing. How does that work? Um, and, and what do you need to, to be aware of? Oh, wow. Well, I am not the expert on self-publishing. I'll say that. I've never self-published a book, and but I do know all the elements. So everything that I was talking about, editing, designing the book, layout, cover design, ISBN number, barcode, 
um, the ebook formats, all the descriptions, and all that stuff has to be done. Hmm. So if you don't have a publisher, you have to source all of those things. And Amazon is very easy, but they still need you to source all those things and provide all those things. And there's no quality control. No. So I have seen books that have been through that process that just look wrong. Um, and, and they don't realize it until the book's printed. Yeah. So just be really, really careful, guys. If, if You know, the biggest reasons why people say they want to self-publish is control, which we've covered. Sure. Timing, because, you know, you're in charge, and so you can kind of push through and speed through, accelerate a bunch of the steps, which also has its risks. Um, and I guess you could make a bit more money because you don't have to pay any ask any part of your royalties to the publisher i guess as well when you're if you're self-publishing a book you might be doing it because you want to be giving that book away for free to clients or prospective clients perhaps so there might not be a financial uh, reason for you writing the book in the first place well a lot of our authors at panoma they get several boxes of books to give away so that they build that into their business plan and if you do get a decent number of books printed, not thousands, but 250, 500, you can get the price down. So even with a publisher, believe it or not, and then you can give those books away or you can give the PDF away nowadays. Although most people I know don't read PDFs that they're given, but you know, and it's not got the same credibility um, when it's an ebook or a PDF. No, a book, an actual an actual book is still quite a nice thing to have, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go do any speaking, you're going to have a table at the front or the back of the room or the side of the room, and it needs to have a stack of books. You don't want to say, well, go get my ebook online. It's, it's, you've lost the whole sure. drama of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. So um, we touched on that a little while ago when you talked about money. So how much, if you're publishing yourself, mm-hmm. how much do you charge for your book? Well, it's not about how much you charge, Paul, because um, if you want to sell it on Amazon, for example, they will take 55 or 60% off the top. Let's say 60, worst case scenario, because... Oh, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So what's the option? For you doing all the work. Yeah, but if you want... It's the biggest biggest store in the world, isn't it? Sure. So Yeah, you, and, and, and this is why. <laughs> and, and that's... But that's typical. If you... You know, if you wanted to go to B&Q with a toolbox that you've made and, and they're going to stock it, they're going to want 50% off the top. Mm. They're going to want a good, a good profit or it's not worth it to them. Sure. Um, I don't know where I came up with that example. but um, <laughs> Oh, no, you're doing DIY at the moment? Is, is that on the top oh, of your head perhaps? No. My husband knows a lot about it, but I don't. But <laughs> I was just trying to think of a shop that isn't books. Um, still begins with B, though. Yeah. Um, so... Amazon, we all have a love-hate relationship with them. We love them because of the visibility and the accessibility and the ubiquitous nature of whatever you need or want, want to sell, want to buy. I mean, it's massive. It's wonderful. And they run things their way. So, for example, they, you know, they don't let us do discounts on, um, on e-books and various other things we're trying to do. They want to control everything. If you publish on Amazon... And let's say your book is, let's do a very simple scenario. Okay. This is always best. So here, here's how the money flows. You publish it yourself, so there's no publisher involved. right? You set the book price at uh, 
$10 or 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. I don't know where our listeners are. And Amazon is going to keep 60%. So this is the worst case scenario. So you get $4 or four pounds. However, they have to print it as well. And that costs three pounds, let's say. Okay. So you make one pound. You cannot price that book at six pounds because then you would only have two pound forty to play with. There isn't even enough to print it, much less make a profit. Sure. So this is why um, books are priced the way they are. I, I work in the business book area, so and as do you. So it's it's you know it's easy to charge fourteen ninety nine up to nineteen ninety nine. You know, these are high quality business books. They're priceless, really, with the, the information and the insights inside. Of course they are. <laughs> um, so really, it's not about that, but they, they have to be priced high enough so that the retailer can do a two for one special or three for two or some kind of deal. Uh, if there's not a lot of profit in it, your book won't be included in those. No, no that's a good point, actually. That's yeah. really interesting. I haven't thought of it that way. Yeah, so it's not about, can I get my book under a tenor? You can but you won't make any money and it, you know, it's going to backfire. I think, um, I think that was your question. How to price. Yes. Yeah. That's really interesting. And you threw in some things there. I hadn't even considered before like the whole discounting thing and how much it actually costs, you know, even when you're self-publishing, there's still a, there's still yeah. a cost involved uh, from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, so what, so let's just say you, you are going down the self-publishing route. I mean, obviously I guess you, have the power then to be able to take it to your local bookshop and say, can you sell this for me? Um, and how does that work? That Obviously, they have to take a cut or, or is there, there's obviously a contract of some kind there or I don't know. How does it work? I have no idea. Um, it doesn't because <laughs> okay. the, the bookstores have been through the mill over the past couple of years and yeah. uh, many have gone under. Uh, some some uh, chains were acquired and many of them are hanging on by the skin of their teeth. They don't have time to talk to individual authors. So they just don't. They hardly have time to talk to us publishers and our agents. Hmm. It is a tough old game. And if you publish with Amazon, I'll just, I'll put that nail in the coffin. <laughs> Amazon will print that book. And on the last page, it says printed by Amazon. Oh. And do you think a bookstore will want to see that? Well, I don't yeah. think so. No, so um, that's a reality. Sure. Okay, interesting. Yeah, as that, there's a you've thrown up a few things there with regard to the self-publishing uh, world that hadn't even popped up on my radar. Some really interesting little things. I, I'm not a big fan. I'm I'm really not a big fan of. I'm sure that's coming out as coming across, but seriously, if anybody's thinking, "Oh, self-publishing, I can do it all myself, control it all myself," that you'll make all the mistakes yourself, and I don't want you to make those mistakes. No, and I kind of wonder whether people think that it it might be they they maybe think it's the easier option or they will never get a publisher. Um, but that's obviously not the case. If you're prepared to co-invest and it's not a lot of money and I'll, I'll share any of our figures. I mean, that they're current today, <laughs> they may not be next year, but you know, I'll, I'll tell you approximately what someone might invest and what they might get back and everything. Mm -hmm. But if you're prepared, if you're a business person, right, a professional business leader writing a business book and you want to publish that, there, are, there is going to be a return. If, if one person reads that book and, and gives you a piece of business, it's probably going to pay for the whole thing. But even selling a few hundred books, you can break even. So I would, 
I, I'm always happy to chat with anybody about our model of publishing mm-hmm. if they've written the whole book. So I won't have a publishing discussion with someone if, if they're still in the planning or writing stages. But if it's finished and they are ready to go, of course, I'd be happy to have a chat. But it goes kind of like this. Um, we have different packages, different levels, but let's just say they invest 5,000 pounds and they get a few hundred books included in that and they sell those for 15 pounds each. So all, already, you know, you've got a few thousand back and then the book is out there selling and then you can get a speaking gig and you can get a training from that and you can sell books at the back of the room, side of the room, etc. And then, and then, <laughs> so who knows what will come after that. But we, we really want our authors to break even as soon as possible. And that is a business concept. It's, you know, if somebody's writing a novel, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't give you a good scenario for that. Um, and I really have very little experience with fiction. But for a business proposition, it, it really makes a lot of sense to work with an entrepreneurial publisher who has an entrepreneurial model. Now, obviously, we have some very important questions to ask at the end, which I will come on to shortly. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that Claire can't um, be with us for this part because I know it's her favorite bit. But I think something else we haven't mentioned yet, and that'd be nice to wrap up on this, is audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Do you need an audio version of your book? And if so, uh, is it something you should do yourself or get someone else to do for you? Yes, you need one nowadays. So my tune has changed, no pun intended. I used to say to people... Uh, it's not worth it because you really don't earn a lot from each one um, compared to print books and even eBooks, but you need it because there are certain people who will only listen to a book. Mm. So unless if you want to alienate that market and, you know, not, not leverage that, then don't do the audiobook. But um, should you do it yourself? If you are a speaker and your voice is getting known or it is known, you really should do it yourself. You might be busy, whatever, find time, do it yourself. If English is not your native language and you have a very thick accent, consider getting a narrator. Um, Because although people who know you might be used to your accent, uh, yeah, this book is gonna go out there and a lot of people who don't know you are gonna be trying to listen to it without the benefit of seeing you. And so I know that's a strong opinion, but no, it's not. I think that's a very, very valid point you've raised there completely because if you've got uh, a, like a broad regional accent in the UK and you've got an audience in, say, the US or Australia or anywhere else, then they might have they might struggle to understand what you're saying. And also, reading an audiobook takes a lot of work and it's not something you can just pick up a book and start reading. It's not like a bedtime story. Um, it takes a bit of practice to be able to do it properly, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've recorded two of mine. Um, so I've written 11 books and only two are in audio format because phew, takes it out of me. It's, it's, I can do each one in a day cause I don't write particularly long books, but wow, I mean, that's going some though. Yeah. But then it's edited professionally and, you know, but I, I use excellent teams to do, you know, they know what they're doing. It's recorded at the right level, but yes, I mean, I, I throw myself into it rather like this <laughs> podcast. You should see me. I'm moving all around. I'm waving my arms in the air. 
I'll sleep well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we like to finish off with a set of questions inspired by a US TV show, which I've no doubt you know because I know you're a New Yorker, which is called Inside the Actors Studio, one of my favorite shows, um, which didn't really do very well in the UK, but it, it was a brilliant show. I'm sure you know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we like to sort of take inspiration from the questions they always used to ask at the end of that show. So we have a few of those and we've added in a few of our own. So first question is, what's your favorite smell? Lilies. Oh, do you know, that's not an answer we've had in like 70-odd episodes. Oh, well, that's my favorite smell. So if anybody ever wants to get on my good side, just wave a lily under my nose or <laughs> send me a, a bouquet of lilies. Is there, a, is there a reason for lilies? Is it, is it childhood memory or something? Well, no. It, oh, gosh. So when I was on a date with my husband... Um, Here we go. <laughs> we arrived back at my flat... And Here it comes. there were some flowers at the door, you know, on the floor. Nice. Um, and I said, oh, thank you. And he said, they're not from me. And he wasn't joking. Oh. And it was a small bouquet of flowers. The next day at work, this massive bouquet arrived from him. Okay. He's just smelling up the place. And he had to outdo that guy. And, um, yeah, I've never let him forget it. But I just so that it just reminds me of him making that grand gesture so what, what's your husband's name phil so phil do, does phil give you lilies every year now not just once a year yeah we've oh, okay good yeah anniversary birthday christmas you name it <laughs> on the nose phil well done right what's your favorite biscuit well i've been in the uk for 30 years and i will talk to you about a biscuit that i had in the first month <laughs> when I arrived, probably the first Oh, wow. Day. This is a bit of a life changer then. It was. It, you're going to laugh your head off. It's a digestive, just a plain one, not chocolate. Plain digestive. There is nothing like it in the US. Well, I guess if you kind of lived the past, yeah, lived a certain amount of time in, in New York and or in America and you haven't experienced the biscuit phenom- phenomenon uh, that is huge in the UK and perhaps other countries too, uh, and I know you don't take it quite so seriously in the US, um, but yeah, anything. I, I, I can understand a digestive blowing your mind. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I just bought two packets today, in fact. <laughs> Um, but anyway, look, thank you very much. It's been really interesting. We've had a couple of really good episodes where we've dealt with uh, the writing process and the publishing process. Uh, very worthwhile splitting it up because there are, there's, there's an awful lot to cover. See what I did there? Um, so um, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about how they can get, uh, how you can help them to write and publish a book, where do they need to go? So because I have a really long surname, I have grabbed the URL mindygk.com. So that's one place where it's supposed to have everything uh, that I offer and all my business stuff. Um, Book Midwife is our brand, so they can find at Book Midwife on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, But Mindy GK should be everywhere as well. So I'm sure we will find each other. This is the Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business. Wow, so much information on writing and publishing a book and so many things that I hadn't even considered before. Mindy really does know her stuff, doesn't she? Yeah, she certainly does. And it just goes to show, actually, that when you are making a decision to not just write a book, but publish a book, there are so many things really that you need to be considering and thinking about. And there's also lots of different ways that you can do it. So it's important to choose you know, the right methods for you and really understand what is involved and 
you know, what are the best decisions to make for you, really? Yeah, no, I would have automatically gone down the self-publishing route and maybe done it with Amazon mm. without really giving it much of a thought if I was going to write another book mm. uh, and maybe publish it myself. Uh, but actually, hiring a publisher in that way isn't something I'd considered before. And uh, yeah, there are certain pitfalls to going to Amazon. I didn't realise mm. they took such a big cut too. Yeah, I know. They note at the back... Um, published by Amazon. Didn't even know that. Didn't have, it hadn't even occurred to me that that would be a thing. No. So these all these little things are important to know before you even you know embark on making these big decisions. Now you may well have other questions about writing a business book if that's what you're thinking about doing, uh, and there are lots of benefits to doing that. Uh, so get in touch with us by going to our social media channels. You can pick us up on uh, on Amazon. No, you can't pick, you pick us up on Amazon. You can pick us up on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and uh, where else are we? We're linked in as well uh, mm-hmm. and just search for Big Little Business Show you'll find us somewhere and make sure you leave us a voice message too because uh, we can use those and uh, play those out on the show and it's lovely to hear your little voices uh, I always love it when people leave us a voice message and say I listen to the show mm-hmm. um, because you know, suddenly you get such you get all their character and you feel like you've met the person and that's what goes back to what we've been saying with this episode it's about actually having that personal connection with somebody and yeah it's brilliant to hear them so please keep them coming yeah and uh, don't forget you can connect with Mindy uh, as well by finding all her details at our website, which is biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk. And don't forget to let us know what you think about the show, especially as we've made a few changes over the last month with perhaps slightly shorter episodes and maybe doing part ones and part twos. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or something you're struggling with within your own business, let us know. Uh, And uh, look, here's voiceover man to remind you how to get in touch with us and say goodbye, Claire. (laughs) Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show. Big Little Business Show.